We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, And I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by BetOnline.ag and Blue Chew. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for NinersNation.com. And joining me tonight, returning, making his triumphant return after a trip back and forth from, uh, from Arkansas, is Eric Crocker, former NFL defensive back and my all-around great guy co-host. How you doing, man? Howdy. I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> You're already picking up your southern stuff. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> Straight up, howdy. You gotta, you gotta hear their accents, man. Like it's so funny, and like the deeper you get into the country, and there's some country people in Arkansas, man. It's just the way they talk. It's they're instantly like. You're not from around here, are you? Like, no, I'm from California. 
<laughs> you got that down pretty good, though, dude. That sounds pretty legit. Yeah, well, I was around it for a couple years in college, so I'm familiar right. with it, but I still, you know, it took me going back to kind of refresh my memory. So, You know what's kind of funny, too, is I have an, I have an accent story. Um, I went to basic training in Fort Knox, Kentucky, which which is, you know, I, I, you would probably qualify as a South. It's, it's, it's getting pretty close. Um, and everybody there, I, I mean, I was like the California kid, like most of the people there, vast majority of people there were from like the East coast and from the South. And what was funny is I, I did my, you know, whatever it was, two and a half months there. And when I got home, my whole family was like, you have a little bit of an accent. And I didn't even realize it, like spending two and a half months with people that talk with an accent, like it like rubbed off on me and I didn't even realize it. And I'm getting home like, you know, doing shit, saying shit like y'all that I never used to say and stuff like that. Like it was it was pretty amazing how quickly that stuck with me. And I'm sure if I like moved to the south, I would it would a lot of the same stuff would happen. It was really funny to get home. They kind of like. I remember everybody gave me a hug and like on the car ride home, everybody was kind of looking at me like, when we were talking. They're like, you kind of sound like you got a little bit of South in you. I was like, draw. that's weird. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more worried about my my daughter. You know, I got a, I got a daughter. She's about to be four um, at the end of this month. And she's the one that can kind of pick up that accent. Like she's the one that's most likely to pick it up um, after being there for, you know, two or uh, you know, a little bit over two years. You know, she she's she's kind of the one that that could possibly pick that up. So I'm interested to see if she comes back home with that <laughs> with an accent, a little baby accent. Well, I mean, she's gonna be there with you when you guys are there for like your your two plus years or whatever, right? right? Yep. Right, right. So yeah, I mean, that's during that age too when you're like super developing your ability to speak. You know, English that could be interesting. <laughs> it could, it, it could stick around for sure. Yeah. So yeah, that's gonna be funny. Well, okay. So those of you that those those that don't know, explain what you what you got going right now. Like, obviously, you don't have to talk about it forever, but explain what you got going on right now. What's on the future, and 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 what you're in the process of doing? Because I'm sure people listening to us have no idea why you would travel back and forth from Arkansas. Yeah, so um, I, I went to University of Arkansas Monticello um, out of junior college. I had to go to a Division II because my grades were kind of terrible. My grades were kind of terrible. So I went to a Division II school. Well, <clears throat> I left early to go play pro ball. You know, I had a, um, I didn't have an NFL contract where I wasn't going to get drafted, but the middle of my senior year was coming up, and I had a, a contract offer to go play in Arena 1. So um, I was really excited about that. And I'm like, well, I'm going to jump on this opportunity. So me being kind of stupid, I kind of took my foot off the gas a little bit. And I ended up basically dropped, like after football season ended, I pretty much dropped like dang near all my classes for, for you know, the fall semester of my senior year. So um, not even really thinking about the ramifications of it. I ended up, you know, I went, I played pro ball for, you know, a bunch of years or whatnot. And afterwards, it's like, well, now I'm in the real world. What do I do? So, you know, I started getting little jobs um, where I would, you know, you know, where I'm still working like in the educational uh, system and stuff in Stock Unified. And I had a great time doing it. But, you know, I'm talking to the PE teacher and she's like, well, yeah, you know, Stock Unified, they pay this much and this is the pay grade. I'm like, what? Like, so 
you've been, you know, teaching for 10 years or it was like 11 years and you have, you know, your master's in this and your credentials. So, you know, you're making over $80,000 a year to do PE. All you do is roll the ball out to them. And she was like, yeah, so hurry up and get your degree. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, well, I need to, I need to do that. So um, I decided to go back, but I had to figure out a way. And you, you guys are pretty, most of you guys, listeners are probably 49er fans. So you guys are familiar with, you know, these high ass prices, right? It's expensive to live in California. And I had to make a decision because my wife, who is an LVN, going to be an RN, a nurse, she's coming up on that. And while she was there, she, she's like, well, I don't want to work. I want to focus on that. I was like, well, how am I supposed to keep a family afloat in California in these expensive <laughs> prices uh, to live, you know, just the cost of living in general when, you know, that, that's dang near impossible. So I started thinking of a plan. I called up my college and asked, you know, hey. If I come and do this, will you guys help me pay for my schooling and everything? And um, they were like, sure. And I was like, well, my wife, she also needs to come and she wants to be an RN. They're like, great. We got one of the top nursing programs in the state of Arkansas. We'll waive half of her tuition, uh, waive her out-of-state fees and, you know, pay you this much a month. And I'm like, great. <laughs> you know, so it was just a, a all-around uh, great situation. And we saved up enough money, more than enough money to pay for um our housing for over two years there. I mean, it's so, so cheap to live. Um, and yeah, we're, we're just like perfect in a, you know, from a financial standpoint, we're great going out there, being able to take care of me, get my degree, her, get her stuff. You know, I can work with getting my credentials and come back and we'll be in a much, much better place. Now there's still some changes. Like, you know, she'll have to do like her little state board thing. And, you know, when she comes back to California, because, I don't know, California has like strict nursing rules and whatnot, but for the most part, we'll be in a much better uh, position career-wise than when we left. Which she's doing fine money-wise, because even as an LVN, she makes good money, but it's still not RN money. So, yeah. Damn, man, just getting out there and doing something for yourself. Yeah, you know, it just took took a little long. You know, it took a little while for me to be like, okay, I need to go do this. Because, you know, the, the, the toughest thing is I'm not far from having my degree, and in California, like if I were to just be like, oh, well, I just want to transfer to like Stanislaus State or, you know, Fresno State or, you know, just a state school, San Jose State, whatever. They, they don't they don't take all my uh, all of my uh, uh, credits, all of my college. Like, everything's not transferable. So so for me being a year away from having my degree, I'd end up down there being like a JUCO transfer again and having to do two years. Because so much stuff doesn't transfer over, so that that was something I was going to run into. Right, yeah, that's a huge, a huge dance here is people trying to do you know as much as they can do at the city college level, and then transfer over to state and everything that state does take and doesn't take, and and all that stuff. It's it's a big dance. Uh, that's what my girlfriend had to do with her engineering degree, and it was it's really weird. Like it's you would think that they the two like community and state levels like really communicated about what needed to be taken at what level and they really like don't so it's it can be really frustrating but one more thing i'm not trying to keep you on the spot all episode but what happened with crocker report since you were last on here oh yeah so um (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah that that thing uh yeah so i launched i launched uh the crocker report uh you guys can go to that crockerreport.com and right now we've been like, you know, pushing out articles and stuff like that, you know, still working out little things with the website and whatnot. Um, there are definitely still uh, some things I'm going to be adding. 
So um, there's going to be uh, like a subscription type thing you can sign up for with uh, YouTube uh, videos on, you know, uh, technique, uh, different breakdowns and stuff like that. All, all, all kind of cool, fun stuff I'll be adding to it. But, you know, as of right now, man, it's been awesome, man. Like, it's a lot of work, obviously, you know, kind of like running your own website and kind of being over, uh, making sure that people are doing this and doing that, writing the articles, have to make sure it gets through to the editors before I publish it. And, you know, just all these different things, man. But it's been great, man. We, we're, we're, we're pushing out content. Um, I, I think I have some excellent writers that are going to continue to uh, grow. Um, we're all, you know, kind of learning uh, to have an eye for, you know, talent and evaluating it. And um, I mean, we're, we're, it's going to go to some really high, high level stuff, man. Um, it's going to take a little bit of time, but, as of right now, man, I, I launched a website and I, I have a ton of fun with it, man. It's, it's pretty awesome. So make sure you guys go check it out, crockerreport.com. Yeah, dude, I want to give you a chance to plug that because it's freaking awesome. And it, I mean, like I, one of the first things I thought of is, man, Crocker's going to get slapped in the face with how much work that is. But, you know, like managing all those people that all want to write something for you and, you know, and then you got to have somebody, didn't you say you found somebody to edit it all for you or are you doing all the editing? Yeah, no, no. Well, me? Oh no, I can definitely not do any editing. Yeah, no, I have, <laughs> <laughs> I have an editor, uh, Steve. He, he, he also is like the, uh, the main editor for, I want to say the hub. Is it the hub or, uh, I can't think of what the 49ers hub. Yeah. Oh, okay. Got, got so he's like really good. Like he's really professional with it. And then I have um, a, a few, a couple other editors. Um, but the issue is guys want to put their content out and then I forget to say, hey, did anybody edit this? And then I end up publishing something that hasn't been edited yet. So I had to, I had to make sure I don't do that. I can't get too excited um, to put out articles. But overall, man, um, yeah, they, they do an awesome job. And uh, yeah, I, I've had a lot of fun with it. The toughest thing is when I launched it, it's like I launched it at a time where I was in the middle of traveling across the United States. And I didn't know that the timing was going to work out like that. So it was like, I have all these guys trying to get articles out. And it's like, I have no reception because I'm on the road. Then I get to Arkansas. My reception is terrible. I try to use my phone as a hotspot. I have no service. I had to wait for them to set up my Wi-Fi. It, it was just like, oh, my gosh. Uh, so much behind the scenes. But we got it up. We got it working. We got uh, articles posted. Make sure you guys check it out. Well, cool, man. That's pretty freaking cool. And your your Crocker Report logo is pretty sweet, too. Oh, man. You know, I, I, had this, I had this cool guy created for me, and uh, he did an amazing <laughs> job. He did an amazing job. I'm just patting myself on the back here, folks, if you hadn't caught on to that already. But, um, <laughs> you know, Rob, Rob but yeah. my, my, my uh, logo. He, he did a great job with that. Yeah, no, it was nothing. It's cool. Easy to easy. To, it's it's. It's easy to create stuff like that when like you're like interested in it or you have a passion about mm -hmm. it or something like that. But if like somebody came along and asked me to create a logo for like, I don't know, a nail salon or something, I'd probably struggle, right. you know, because that ain't, that ain't, that ain't my wheelhouse. But anyway, so, all right. So uh, I suppose this is a 49ers podcast and we haven't talked about 49ers whatsoever. And I'm, I'm sure by this point, you're already tired of hearing from Eric Crocker and his personal stuff that really isn't important to you whatsoever. <laughs> And you probably just went and did something else while he talked just now. And I, I wouldn't blame you. I mean, who, who cares? But I'm just kidding. Anyways, so kind of just some of the, the – obviously, we're in like the downtime of 49ers world. There's not a lot going on. Even if 
coronavirus weren't here, there wouldn't be much going on. I mean, they'd be doing their off-season program and stuff like that. But even then, there's usually not a lot to, that could, to come out right now because, you know, I'm not sure on my timeline, but, you know, we wouldn't be hearing much about practices yet or any of that. So, you know, you never really know <clears throat> what to expect. Or So right now it's kind of the dark time, but coronavirus has made it even darker. So, and I don't mean dark as in dreary, obviously it's also that, but I just mean there's not a lot to talk about. But there are some headlines that we're going to kind of just briefly touch on, and then we will take a quick break, touch on our sponsors, and then when we come back, we will kind of just run through the offensive side of the 49ers roster, talk about anything interesting we see there, any little competitions that might get might get interesting in the offseason, and then next week we'll do the defense. So, um, I guess the first, speaking of coronavirus, the first thing we should probably touch on is uh, Gavin Newsom, the California governor, came out and said that he felt like, or he expected professional sports to be able to resume in a very limited capacity. I don't shouldn't say limited. I mean, it is limited, but it's in a, in a very strict capacity starting in the beginning of June, which is great news for the 49ers. And I thought, you know, obviously that means the 49ers begin training camp in late July. Um, so, you know, if, if the fact that they're going to California is going to start figuring out how they want to incorporate professional sports in the beginning of June is good for the 49ers because whatever kinks need to be worked out and whatever rules need to be established and then loosened or whatever, because obviously everybody's figuring out how to work their way through this at the same time, even city officials and and government and stuff like that. So at least them saying that early June gives them plenty of almost two months to work out how it's going to look for the 49ers when it comes to training camp, um, how much the team is going to be able to do, how many people are going to be allowed to be on the field at once. Who knows what it's going to look like? We'll see. Because obviously for that, to, it's incredibly fragile. The prospect, you have to realize that right out the gate. The prospect of holding training camp is going to be very fragile. Like one teammate – I mean, this is football. Dudes are running into each other and hugging each other all the time. One one teammate tests positive, and the whole thing probably falls apart. Right. You know, and, and, and because it doesn't necessarily mean that practices are going to stop, but they're going to have to retest everybody else. Um, you know, that person's not going to be able – I mean, imagine if Jimmy Garoppolo got it. So he can't come to practice. He's got a quarantine. He's got two weeks gone. Two weeks in training camp is like a lifetime. He, you know, the the entire team has to be tested. Probably coaching, you know what I mean. So it's it it's gonna get it's gonna be wild how they, they handle this, and it's all just conjecture. It's all just you know forecasting. I have no idea. Nobody has any idea. Um, you know, it's it's gonna be crazy. So the idea that that California, who was who has been one of the more strict, if not the one of the strictest states in the country when it comes to handling coronavirus and restrictions, for them to come out and say that is good news for the 49ers. Um, the little highlight for me when it comes to this whole news cycle was Richard Sherman just straight up calling out the state on Twitter. <laughs> he basically said, once once teams started talking about other states as far as taking their practices and their games elsewhere, all of a sudden California became a lot more open to the idea of professional sports um, because California is already losing an insane amount of money from all this. They're already talking about all the in, the crazy budget cuts. It's just funny that, you know, the headlines start to come out. Okay, 49ers might move to this state and practice. They can go to Arizona, whatever, what have you. And then all of a sudden, you know, the restrictions are going to get loosened. Right. So yeah, I, th- I thought that was pretty funny. funny. <laughs> it's basically, he basically just, it's just money, you know, 
obviously the state makes a lot of money from professional sports. California has a lot of professional sports teams. So it would behoove them, not necessarily health-wise. It could be the wrong decision when it comes to everybody's health. But it would behoove them financially to allow these teams to stay in the state. You know, so that's interesting, I guess. You got any thoughts on that, dude? I mean, it's what, what do you think? Nah, you know, obviously, you know, we hope that there's something that gets resolved sooner than later, you know, as football fans. But, you know, you want to make sure everybody's safe. And uh, and even more so than the actual athletes, you know, you don't know who they're going home to. So I think that's the bigger risk, right? You know, you have a player, say Jimmy Garoppolo, and he, he gets it, but it doesn't affect him. But he goes home to, you know, maybe a family member with a weaker immune system, and then that family member, member dies. That That's the people that they're trying to protect. Um, as well as the players, of course. But, uh, yeah, you know, hopefully they, they figure out some type of solution, whether it's, hey, let's test everybody. Okay, if you test uh, negative for this, we're keeping you in the hotel away from everyone, and you have to stay there until, you know, for however long or whatever. Um, that That's extreme, but I think that's the only way to kind of go about it right now. Because, like you said, one yeah. person tests positive for it, it can have a big snowball effect on not just the 49ers, but the rest of the NFL. Yep. Yeah, it'll be uh it's gonna be weird. But like I said earlier, no one really knows expect with, with the NBA, it was it was uh uh was it JaVel McGee or who whoever or no the, the the big guy from Utah. He tested positive and it shut down the entire NBA. Right, right. It basically shut down all professional sports. You know what I mean? Before that, I don't think anything had shut down. Right. And and that was basically it. So it's going to be interesting to see how all this goes. Um, and just judging by what they seem to know about the, the virus and stuff, like the odds are good that, I mean, there's 90 players on a roster and then another 50 coaches or whatever and staff members. People are going to get it. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how it gets handled. Um, another one of our little weekly storylines in the, the Drury, Drury 49ers newsland right now is uh, Jarek McKinnon and Debo Samuel. Well, okay, Crocker, you kind of touch on this because you know the Footwork King on Twitter. You kind of know him and what he's about. He posted a couple videos of Jarek McKinnon and Debo Samuel today doing workouts. So give us your take on those. Yeah, no, nah, you know, it's cool to, it's cool to see them um, getting working. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, running routes and everything like that. Uh, yeah, I'm actually watching him right now. I'm watching Jared McKinnon run routes. And, um, you know, he looks good. It doesn't look like there's any hitch. That's what I was looking for. You know, is there any hitch in how he's running or any type of limp or anything like that? So um, I, I don't see that. So that's good. And, you know, even with Debo Samuel, um, I watched him. And, you know, it looks like he's working on some little short area cuts and things like that. Um, it looks It looks solid. It looks solid. I'm a big fan of um, of, of uh, Coach uh, Coach Dub, and I actually have an article coming out tomorrow morning about Coach Dub Williams. Um, he's actually from my hometown, Stockton, California, but he trains a lot of guys. He trains Tariq Hill, uh, Devontae Adams, uh, Brandon Cooks, who's also from Stockton. Um, you know, Kenny Stills, Ryan Grant, like just a bunch of receivers. Uh, Sammy Watkins, and. Uh, I love what, what he does. So I, I hope guys like, you know, Devo, give a dub too. You know, it's good to work with Footworking. I think he has a different little uh, niche that, that he works works with. Um, but when it comes to like, you know, just pure receiver route running, like, man, give a dub. But but they look good. McKinnon and uh, Debo, uh, with what they're doing. It's good to see them working. Yeah, and one of the things it reminded me of, and I tweeted about this, was 
Jarek McKinnon, man, if he's still to me, and we talked about this, I think it was the last time you were on here. We both were were required to pick kind of like our X factor of the 49ers in 2020. And to me, man, he's he's still up there. I mean, you I might be able to, if I look through the roster, be able to find somebody that might kind of be and remember an X factor is kind of like can go either way. Like you know, it you, you not really know what to expect type of deal. It usually it's used with more of like a positive sense. And this, you know, this player could be an X factor because they're gonna they could possibly be a huge contributor. But that's still kind of how the way I feel about Jarek McKinnon. Now, obviously, his outlook this year is much different than it would have been two years ago when the 49ers signed him to that huge free agency contract. Because now he's playing for almost the vet minimum, um, or it might be exactly vet minimum, and you know, he is in no way guaranteed a roster spot. He's two years removed from a torn ACL that's kind of had some complications. Um, but I know the the biggest thing that keeps me kind of coming back to him is is I know that Kyle Shanahan has a has a very high opinion of him and his talents, and that's why the 49ers were willing to pay so much to get him in the first place. Um, I believe there was stuff about him about the 49ers kind of being in a bidding war for McKinnon and and what they and that they wanted him bad enough to outbid whoever they were bidding against. I want to say it was the Jets, but I don't remember. Or that was at least the rumor. Um, and I think he could be a huge, huge, huge contributor to uh, the 49ers offense if he's healthy and he looks healthy. He's moving good. You know, he's he's in, in that video. He looks like he's moving at 100 percent. And that's kind of what you want to hear from somebody who's been who's been who's that far removed from that injury. So I still think, you know, that Kyle Shanahan really, really, really wants to get Jarek McKinnon on the field and see if he can take advantages advantage of his skill sets because he's a genuine pass catching back. Genuine. Like he's a decent running back. And he's a good, very good pass catching back. He runs routes like a receiver. He catches like a receiver. He's got confidence in his hands. So I'm I'm really looking forward to see what he can do if if everything goes well for him. Because, you know, I, I tweeted that out too. It's like he's due for a comeback, man. That guy went through a rough two years that nowadays usually isn't involved when in recovering from a torn ACL. And so, you know, he's really never even stepped foot on the field for the 49ers in a regular season game. So that could be interesting. Um and related to that, you know, he was working out with Debo Samuel. And Joe Staley recently told Chris Biederman, a good friend from the Sacramento Bee, uh, that he kind of had a conversation with Debo about, like, look, dude, you need to buckle down and, and work hard because you have the ability or, you know, you could be, uh, like, the best receiver in the NFL. Now, I, I wouldn't take that, like, to heart. You know, that's what any good teammate's going to tell somebody that they, they want to see grow and thrive. But – um, it's just, it's, it kind of brings up a good, you know, something, a good topic in the fact that like Debo Samuel stepping into next season and he's kind of expected to be the 49ers leading receiver. Now always keep in mind that the 49ers have a dude named George Kittle, who's kind of like their wide receiver one. Like he's their, their primary tiger target, the guy that dominates the guy that makes the big plays, the guy they go to when, you know, they, they have to convert a fourth and two. Uh, on the road, but and the, when it comes to receivers, Debo Samuel's supposed to be the guy this year. Like he's, you know, and and we saw that out of him as as last year turned on. So, Crocker, what do you think? Give me like what you think the floor is for Debo. Like, what would you expect? Like the least amount. Like not obviously not. I'm not talking negative. I'm saying what would be like the the least amount you'd expect to see from him in this year and what how far do you think he can go and whether it's this year or next year what do you see him kind of developing into down the road i i think the least amount is what we saw last year you know a guy that you know was productive in some games where you know more than others and other games where you know maybe he had two catches for 20 yards <laughs> you know 
Um, I, I think that's his floor, you know, an 800-yard type season. And, you know, considering him healthy. And remember, it kind of – I don't know why we don't really think about this a lot, but, he, you know, he did miss a game last year too. He only played – started 15 games. He only played 15 games. Um, so, but I, I think that's his floor in the 800-yard season. Now, his ceiling – I don't even want to say his ceiling, but what I think he can be this year, 100%, I feel like he can be – well, I don't want to say 100%, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that he can be a 1,000-yard receiver. And I think that the way that you're able to give him the ball uh, and, and get him the ball in space, he's going to get a lot of yards after catch. Like, he's just going to do that. That's going to be something that's very consistent with him. Um, he's going to be somebody that understands the playbook, and he's going to be the guy from the jump. And still, you know, he's not a guy that, oh, I can just double him because you, can't, you, you don't have to expect him to beat double teams because George Kittle is that guy that teams have to double. So he's still going to have, you know, solid matchups. And I, I think he's somebody that's going to, you know, obviously hit the ground running with the playbook. And and it looks like he's taking this offseason serious. Now it's just, you know, do it all on the field. I, I think he can be a 1,000-yard receiver. I wouldn't be surprised if he had like 1,100 yards. And that's crazy because 49ers haven't had a lot of, you know, production out of receivers since like Anquan Bowden. But I think he can be that guy. Man. I just always love hearing that name, dude. Anquan Bolden is one of my favorite receivers of all time. Like, there is no dude that is a better testament to, like, good route running and solid hands than Anquan Bolden. Obviously, he's a big dude. He's a buff dude. He was super tough. But, like, that dude probably, towards the end of his career, maybe the last, like, two, three, four years, that dude probably ran, like, a 5'2'40". You know what I mean? Like he was he was not fast yeah. at all. It was really but like he four, was, it was like four seven something. He he like he really ran that. No, I know in the beginning of his career. I'm talking about the end of his uh, career yeah. when he's an old ass when he's an old ass man and he's still just out there balling because one, he had amazing hands and concentration, but two, he ran amazing routes. Like he would just create space and it didn't matter, like like you know, we're talking like a five-second forty versus of you know some of these corners in the NFL run like four-two-four-three guys, and he's still just getting open and make like I always just loved watching him work because he was so smart and he was such a veteran dude. You know, definitely that that third-down guy. But I, I've uh, there. I don't even I I would struggle to think of a receiver that I have more respect for than than the way Anquan Bolden played. Like I just love every time I hear that name. I'm like hell yeah, man, Anquan Bolden. We, we're going to touch on one more thing, but we're already almost at the 30-minute mark. So before we go any further, I'm going to get a quick word in from our sponsors, and um, we are going to touch on that, and then we'll get back with some uh, some Jimmy Garoppolo talk. So first things first, everybody knows that the sports landscape out there is weird, but there is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back. And Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24-7. Or you can participate in their $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge. It's a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament that you can enter for free 99 Coming up next Sunday, Bet Online has ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright and Craig Hodges joining them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. 
and check out all the action. Bet Online is your online wagering solution. And in addition to Bet Online, we've got Blue, Blue Chew. Now, guys, if you're looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds, get to bluechew.com. Bluechew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they're working. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend some time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once you're approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE. That's B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. All right, so one other little, I don't know, this is, I say it's like, a moment of the week or, you know, a storyline of the week, something to talk about. But uh, what came up again was, you know, the general just lingering disrespect for one James Garoppolo, which is to me, I mean, we've talked about it so many times, but it's almost like it never gets old talking about it and, and like acknowledging how, I mean, in our opinions, stupid it is like, it's just pretty amazing that it keeps coming up. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk, fullback, uh, met with the media today. And one of the things came up was Jimmy Garoppolo and how Kyle Juszczyk felt like he was almost like his bodyguard and that he always had to come to Garoppolo's defense for people that doubted what he's all about. And it's always been funny. Uh, Niners Nation tweeted the other day, like, you know, who is your most – who do you feel is the most underrated player on the 49ers roster? And I tweeted, this was before Kyle Juszczyk, but I tweeted, I still feel like it's Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, I still feel like for a quarterback that just goes out there and wins football games, and there was probably three or four or five games this year, this last season, that he was kind of like the main reason the 49ers won those games. For a guy that goes out and does that and has the record he has, absolute zero drama, everything you'd want from your quarterback, including the jawline, like, hold, on, hold on, I won't say zero drama because some people might consider the, you know, the porn star thing uh, a little drama. It's not drama in my eyes. I'd be happy <laughs> to date a porn star for one night, but uh, I'm saying <laughs> people, they kind of made a bigger deal out of it than I would have made. So that's the only thing I'd say. Like you know, if you don't want your quarterback kind of carrying himself that way, I can understand it a little bit, but I have no issues with it. But proceed. Well, I mean, it's like. But he was just doing his thing. Like, he didn't ask for somebody to take a picture with him. He didn't ever talk about, you know, he didn't ever say, hey, I'm not going out with this girl. But I get it. You know, every people are going to recognize you. But, you know, that obviously that came and went in a hurry. You know, it's not like some storyline that lingered or something like that. But, you know, I just, I don't know. What do you think, dude? Um, I, I think with Jimmy, the you know, when it comes to the, you know, uh, I guess him being like underappreciated. I think it is more so not by 49er fans, but just like like outside people. Um, I think there are certain 49er people that kind of downplay him. This is my this is what I think kind of just after digesting the season, watching, you know, every game of his career, really. What I, I what I think he is 
you know, I, I think he's a top 10 to 13 talented starting quarterback in the league. Um, I think that he has an offensive coordinator that can elevate his play to that top five to 10 range. Um, I, I don't think he's somebody that you typically would want to have to throw the ball around to win. I think that he is somebody that 100% can, but I don't think that's how you want to bank on him winning every game, which 49ers don't have to. They have a great running game. Um, I think he can win you a Super Bowl. I, and I think that he will actually even play better than he played last year, which was really good for the most part. Um, I think he'll have a more of a grasp on the offense. And I think he'll be even more efficient and cut down on the turnover. So um, I think it's very disrespectful that how people in this goes to like the underappreciated part where, you know, it's like every time there's a quarterback that's available, everybody compares that quarterback to Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I don't think it's necessary. I think the 49ers have a really good thing with him. I think he's a guy that can win you a Super Bowl. And I think there could be a lot worse situations and a lot of other quarterbacks that people can talk about who need to be replaced. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is one of them. So that's just kind of where I'm at with that. I don't think he's some uber-talented quarterback, but I think he's definitely talented enough. And when you add the offensive coordinator, that elevates his game even more. And there shouldn't be any more issues or discussions about what or who Jimmy Garoppolo is, is, I think it's kind of ridiculous. Well, the thing is, too, like, could you, like, let's say the 49ers bit hard on the Tom Brady stuff and they wanted Tom Brady. Like, if Jimmy Garoppolo was on the trade block, you'd have, like, 10-plus teams calling, blowing up the phone. And they would be willing to give up, my guess is, quite a bit more than what the 49ers gave up for him. And this is... You know, the 49ers gave up a second round pick for him. And that was when he was still kind of kind of a bit of, of, of an unknown. And now the 49ers have paid him starting quarterback money. He's had a full season in which he took the team to the Super Bowl, uh, or, you know, or played his role in that. And I would expect there would be so many teams willing to give up quite a bit of money and draft capital to obtain one Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, it's, it, it's just, I don't know where the standard is set. I think Richard Sherman put it best last season. Like, people just keep moving, moving the goalpost for what a good quarterback is and where Jimmy Garoppolo fits into that mold just to kind of keep the narrative going that for some reason he's not cutting it. But I can guarantee you there's probably over 10 teams that would love to get their hands on a Jimmy Garoppolo right now. You know, and, and t- teams that are drafting rookies that would love for them to develop into a Jimmy Garoppolo at, at, at any point within their rookie contract, you know, which is obviously Jimmy Garoppolo is nowhere near a rookie. But as far as starting games and, and playing in games, he, he's still in his rookie contract. Was was this season, last season his first full season as a starter? Yeah. <laughs> I, like I have to keep reminding myself that. You know what I mean? I'm not discounting. He's had a lot of experience. He spent time in one of the the best locker rooms uh, you could have under one of the under one of the best coaches of all time, uh, under one of the one of if not the best quarterback of all time. 
you know, so obviously he's had a, he's had a fair shake. It's not like Jimmy Garoppolo has been had a, had a rough go at it, but you know, the guy is still relatively inexperienced in the market of quarterbacks that are starting for NFL teams. And he's already shown quite a few good things. My favorite thing about Jimmy Garoppolo, and, and I'm right there with you, Croc. I think he's like maybe like a somewhere between like an eight to thirteen guy, you know, some somewhere in there. And but there and there's nothing wrong with that. Like like I would take a top eight to thirteen at any position in the NFL and be totally stoked about it. Especially like, quarterback. Right, right, right. Yeah, the, the most important position that's out there. And, and the my argument is that he could be higher. I mean, because think about it, like, you know, if you're, you know, I, I said around, you know, 10 to 13. So it's like, okay, if he's at, you know, I'm just kind of going off of, like my buddy just put out rankings in and had Jimmy at 13. And who he had over him at number 12, he had Cousins. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Cousins. At 11, he had uh, Ben Roethlisberger. I think at this point in the career, I, I would rather have Garoppolo. And I think there's still, you know, value there with Roethlisberger, but, I, you know, I would rather have Garoppolo. At 10, he had Watson, which would probably be um, kind of shocking to some people, but I, I think that's about right for Watson. I think he um, – there's a lot of things that he does where, like, I, if if you even if you're asking me would I who would I rather have Watson or or Garoppolo in this offense, it's not as clear cut as I think most people would think because I don't know he doesn't play with much timing and rhythm. He's more of an off script type guy and then throws a deep ball extremely well. Which so he has the big splashy plays. Obviously, he can make plays with his legs, but. Depending on you know what Kyle Shanahan wants, I could see why he might lean more towards like a guy like Garoppolo, but I could be wrong there. Um, and then there's a guys like Carson Wentz. You know he's hurt a lot. You know he hasn't won that playoff game, so you know that's another guy that you could possibly. You no, know, he's more talented, like with natural arm talent, athletic ability, mobility, all that type of stuff. But you know, would you rather have him or and you kind of have to look at it with offensive coordinators too? I guess would you rather have Wentz in our offense or Jimmy Garoppolo? Um, depends what version of wins you're getting. So there, there's there's arguments that could be made to where you he is a top, you know, eight type guy. You know, I you know, so that's kind of my spill on that. Well, and one of my favorite Jimmy Garoppolo traits, if you will, or you know, things he's shown us throughout the season is I love and obviously I don't like the fact that he has some of those Jimmy Garoppolo throws where you're like, Whoa, what the hell was that? And like you know, should have been picked off, was picked off. What were you looking at? How did you not see that? You know, that kind of stuff. Obviously, no one wants that. And it, it happens to every quarterback. But what I do like is the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo is at his best after one of those moments. Like, right. he he played his best after he threw picks and after he made a mistake, which is like, dude, I don't think there's people out there that realize how valuable of a commodity that is in a in an athlete professional athlete, period. Like the ability to make a mistake, a big mistake under the brightest of lights in front of millions of people and then go out and play better after the fact. Like that is uh, that is one of the most valuable assets you can ask for in an athlete. Like, every, you know, everybody's going to make mistakes. Every single player, every single game, they're going to make mistakes. But obviously, you know what I'm about to say. How do how do you respond to those mistakes? What do you do next? That you do, do you elevate or do you crumble? 
you curl up, you know what I mean? And the fact that somebody like Jimmy Garoppolo, who knows he's under a brighter, even a brighter spotlight because people aren't really sure what he is yet for the, the fact that he's can do those things and then come out and shine brighter is, is important. You know, like, I, I mean, important isn't even a good word there. It's like, it's crucial. You know, you want to know that your quarterback could throw an interception and you can, your Kyle Shanahan can say to Jimmy Garoppolo on the sideline, look, we're going to keep throwing the ball. We're going to throw it a lot next drive, be ready to roll. And he will be is, is like, it's, it's essential. Like it doesn't get much more important than that. So that's like my favorite Jimmy Garoppolo quality is that yes, you would like him to not make those mistakes whatsoever or make less of them. But the fact that he rebounds so well from those mistakes is one of my like my favorite things. Like he just, you know, and that's an elite trait in itself. It is one hundred percent elite trait. Like, and something that just, can definitely change, um, that can separate guys. You know what I'm saying? Like it, 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 that 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 ability to kind of bounce back and really be kind of stone cold um, in most moments. Uh, that's that's something that really separates guys where you see some guys kind of tank it late in the games where they just can't get out. Uh, Kirk Cousins, for example, that's the reason why he can't, you know, he's, he's never, well, outside of the one playoff game, he hasn't really won that big game over his career. His record against playoff teams is like terrible. Um, you know, he crumbled against the 49ers. Like we, we've seen that far too often from him. And that's something that Jimmy Garoppolo, for the most part throughout his career, has kind of, Stayed away from. There's been a couple games where it's like, uh, you know, the Seahawks game in that first one had a lot of drops, but you saw some throws late that you probably wouldn't like to see from him. Uh, same with uh, the Super Bowl late in the game, where uh, maybe he was he got a little tight, pressed a little bit, and you know we saw him kind of miss some throws. But for the most part, Jimmy Garoppolo was pretty ice cold after making mistakes. Well, and the the big the funny thing is with me too is a lot of people will talk about that deep throw to Emmanuel Sanders like. <clears throat> That is some defining moment for now. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's an incredibly, you know, like difficult moment to overcome, and he's he's going to have to outlive that. But at the same time, like, dude, you're talking about a deep ball, like into like double coverage, and, and Emmanuel Sanders had a step on him, and it's like it, deep throws are like they're called low percentage throws, like they just don't happen that often, and the and obviously hitting that throw in that moment would have, you know, could have put the 49ers over the top. Who knows? But it's just like, just don't be one of those people that uses that one little microcosm of a play as a reason for the fact that, oh, see, Jimmy Garoppolo is not clutch. He's not, you know, he's suspect because he missed that throw late in the Super Bowl, you know, with the game on the line. Like, oh, shit, man, if if missing a throw with the game on the line is your defining attribute for your quarterback, then you're going to have nobody left. Because every quarterback's missed big throws with games on the line, or wasn't able to come through with in a game-winning drive, or what what have you. Russell Wilson's the most clutch quarterback on the planet, and, and he's done it plenty of times. Threw an interception in the Super Bowl to lose from the one-yard line. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is anybody out here? You know, Jimmy Garoppolo is not on the same planet as Russell Wilson, but it, it, you know, the whole not making a clutch throw in a clutch moment is is an attribute for every quarterback. You know, it's just, I guess it's a matter of how often they do it, but it's just funny, man. Like, like I said, there are so many teams out there that would love to have themselves a Jimmy G right now. And I think the 49ers can, and I, and I think they're telling the truth when they say that they took a hard look at Jimmy at, excuse me, at Tom Brady and they went down and they broke the, and, and, and 
taking a hard look at Tom Brady is what prompted them to take an even harder look at Jimmy Garoppolo. And they came away with, look, we might already have the answer right here. And that's what they believe. They, they feel they have the answer in the building. And I 100% believe that's what they did because that's an, not an unreasonable conclusion to come to. Like one, if you're signing up for Tom Brady, you know, you're getting two, maybe three years max. I mean, maybe he keeps going for some weird, crazy reason, but you know, you're look when you're looking for the answer for a long term, and and you've already got a guy that you think could be that that's young and and is you know building experience in your offense. Then you don't go away from that, you know, unless Jimmy Garoppolo starts showing off some some qualities that you, uh, you know, are unredeemable. You know, Mitch Trubisky's type stuff. Then you got your guy, and you just keep trying to build around him, and you keep trying to grow with him, and let him build that comfort level in the system and and the confidence, and then you roll. And I think this season is going to be pretty fun. I mean, Debo Samuel, Brandon IU, George Kittle, and who knows who else we're going to get in that little receiving core. You know, obviously Kendrick Bourne shouldn't be sleeping on him because he's he seems like he's working his ass off. And, you know, maybe Trent Taylor comes out of this healthy and he's ready to put his stamp on this offense. You know, maybe Jalen Hurd comes back from that back injury ready to roll and he comes out and just starts dominating because he's a guy that could be a huge X factor too. I don't know, man. There's a lot of things that could go go the way of the 49ers this year. If you're trying to be positive, glass half full, that could really set that offense on fire. Yeah. You know? But I think we've probably taken ourselves out of the running of breaking down the 49ers roster on offense. I think <laughs> we've... I think we've talked our. I think we've uh, we've Jimmy Garoppolo Garoppoloed ourselves into uh, pushing the breakdown of the 49ers' offensive players and positions to next week. Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, and you know, it's gonna be a long off season, so you know, we have time to get all that squared away, and uh, right. that just gives us more content, right, for the next for the upcoming weeks. <laughs> right, right, and so hopefully, you know, you guys aren't mad at me right now for because we're already coming up on 50 minutes, you know, and it breaking down a whole half of the roster uh, at this point would probably push us a little further than the old blue wire CEO, Kevin Jones is wants us to be, but uh, hopefully you still felt it was time well spent. Um, I I'm still getting people constantly after every episode, not constantly, but after every episode, we get people hitting us up on Twitter saying that they, they loved it. They enjoyed watching it, you know, having their own comments on the episode and their own thoughts and feelings. And, you know, we encourage you guys to do that. You can find me on Twitter at Rob underscore louder, L O W D E R. And then you can find Crocker at Eric underscore Crocker. Um, and like I said, hit us up, tell us you listened, tell us whether you liked it or not. Give us your thoughts, feelings on the subject. Tell us, uh, how much you love or don't love Jimmy Garoppolo. Any of that, any of that stuff, man. Cause we're always down. We're always on their Twitter and Twitter and perusing the, the, uh, the base. So you got any, uh, you got anything else there? Uh, Arkansas boy. <laughs> nah, I think that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's probably, probably, probably uh, common to be like, crack. That doesn't sound like an Arkansas. That sounds like you're from Australia. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. You get a little shrimp on the, never mind. I'm not going to, I'm going to stop. But, uh, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to go on with that too. too many. It should have probably stopped before it began, but anyways, no, I think it's pretty good, dude. I think it's a solid little Southern accent. And the more you live there, I hope it starts creeping into the podcast because that would just, 
make me happy. Nah, so. it, it, it won't. It won't. It, it, <laughs> I'll make sure that I, you know, I go home or, uh, often, you know, and make sure I get away from, from there. So my, so I don't get that whole Arkansas little swing. What is, what, what would be like the best, one last thing before we jet out of here, what would be like, what's something about Arkansas you're looking forward to the most? Uh, I think just getting, like really just getting my degree um, and my wife finishing up her, her RN. You know, those are things that um, my wife especially has been working hard towards um, for the last, uh, you know, a couple years, really um, going back to school and, and, and working towards that. And then for me, uh, you know, when I, when I had left to play pro ball, my grandma, you know, I made a promise to her that I would finish and get my degree. And that was one thing she always reminded me. And it's in the newspaper. Whoever I was talking to, it's in the actual newspaper and she saved it. So um, I, I think the thing I'm looking most forward to is really walking across the stage. And my wife would be getting her bachelor's as well. And, and I think uh, just walking across the stage with her, you know, we'll be back to back. It'll be me first and then her. And I think uh, for our kids to see that and my family, I think that's something. And I'll be the first person from my family to, to graduate. So that, that's something I'm really looking uh, forward to. Well, damn, man, that was like a way more emotional and honest answer than I was expecting. I thought you were going to say like the Southern food or the, the, the different weather or something. And you're like, man, getting my degree and being the first person in my family to graduate, doing it for my grandma. And I'm like, damn, that is, the one. <laughs> that is, that is a way better answer. Well, I, you know, I don't really like think about those things, but like, you know, when you ask me and it's like, Hey, what are you looking for? And it's like, you know what? That's a good question. And, and those are the things I'm looking forward to, man. Walking, walking across the stage with my wife, you know, my kids, they get to see that. And my grandma, man, like I'm telling you, she reminds me all the time. You said you're going to go back to school. Like, I don't know how many more years left I have to live. <laughs> like, you know, she, <laughs> she said that to me. So I'm excited to, uh, I think that's what I'm really most excited. I'm, what I'm not excited about the humidity. Oh uh, God. I'm telling you, dude, when we were out there um, a few days ago unloading the truck, we, we got the little uh, pod thing shipped out there, and we met it out there, and we unloaded the truck. It was probably about 70 degrees, and I kid you not, and I'm not a sweaty person at all. This is, <laughs> I'm not a sweaty person at all. I'm not. My shorts were drenched. You would have thought that I sat in a puddle. Like, that's how sweaty I was. I can't tell you why. Or how, well, I can tell you why it's the humidity, but it just does something to you, man. Like the moment you step outside, you just feel like you need to take a shower. So yeah, that, that's- Hearing you say that is crazy because that was my biggest like WTF moment from basic training. Obviously, you know, I joke about the fact that I started to sound like I was, excuse me, from the South. But when I step, because when I traveled there, I got in an airplane, I got to the airport, I got off the airplane, I went into the airport in Kansas, you know, and all of that, you never really have to go outside, you know, because you the, that thing comes straight up to the airplane and, and docks you with it and you just walk straight into the airport, air conditioning, whatever. And then I walked briefly outside, got in a van, took me to, you know, where I needed to be. And But when I stepped out of that van, excuse me, a bus for basic training, I felt like somebody had a soaking wet towel and they just slapped me in the face soaking wet hot towel and they just slapped me in the face with it like i had never felt humidity like that it was like 85 degrees and like 90 percent humidity and i was literally said out loud i was like what the f is this no no listen um funny story for you those of you that are still listening Um, (laughs) our first day in pads my my junior year um the first day in helmets 
it got so hot. So it was like 105 degrees, but with the heat index, it tells you how hot it feels. And it says that it feels like it's 118 degrees. So we're out there, you know, practicing with, with our helmets and all, all our gear on and stuff and whatnot. And I kid you not, by the end of practice, everybody was, all they had on was a helmet and their uh, compression shorts underneath their, their that were underneath their shorts. Um, pretty much people running around naked with cleats. On. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was so hot. And, and to the point where I even told my brother after practice, and actually I made my mind up during practice that I was going back home to California. I said, mm-hmm. I made my mind up, I'm going, like I'm going home. Uh, my brother said, nah, man, just stick it out. Like, you know, it can't get any worse than that. And he was right. It never got worse than that. But that day was so bad. It was so terrible. It, you know, got full body cramps. I mean, I had to get three IVs. Dude, it was, it's that, that humidity, man, it's, it's, it's different. But I, I'll tell you one thing that where it did help, for whatever reason, my skin was always clear. So, Moisture, man. Moisture. I don't know. Yeah. But anyways, we've we've wandered off topic. But, I mean, yeah, the humidity was uh, mind-blowing. If you don't know this, I mean, me and Crocker are both from the Central Valley. So it's, you know, it gets really, really hot here, but it's completely dry. There's very little humidity. And it's completely flip-flop there. The humidity, the percentage of humidity sometimes is higher than the temperature. And it makes it just feel like suffocating, like, you know, man, I, I mean, I had to wear Croc was in football stuff. I was in full military gear. You know, you can take a shower and you can literally step out the door for less than 60 seconds and you feel like you need a shower again. Yeah. Like it's it's uh, it's unreal until your body gets used to it. And that's what you're used to. But but in that in that transition time, it is brutal. But anyways, um, we love you guys. Thank you for listening to our weird stories and our weird accounts from our personal lives. Um, thanks you for sticking around this long. We appreciate you guys. Wouldn't be able to have the Strike and Gold podcast without you. Um, but that's it for another week. Uh, as far as now, the plan is next week we're going to come at you with a, a roster breakdown. We'll start breaking down the 90-man roster, where the where the heated competitions are, and, and who we expect to be making an impact next season. But I appreciate you guys. And for another week, this is Strike and Gold signing out. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.